Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, Arizona Christian University's student teachers are no longer welcome in the local public school system, and the college is fighting back. We'll have details. A Ponzi scheme that targeted Christians defrauded investors of more than $80 million. One of the perpetrators of the fraud cooperated with authorities and got off with a slap on the wrist. We asked why. And the ministry behind the popular devotional magazine, Our Daily Bread, was the victim of a data breach. Some donors, though, are complaining that they weren't notified in a timely manner. We'll have more later in the program. We begin today with news that Jerry Falwell Jr. has sued Liberty University. Yeah, Jerry Jr. claims that his former employer, Liberty, withheld $8.5 million in retirement benefits that were previously promised to him. The son of the school's founder and conservative activist Jerry Falwell Sr., Jerry Jr. has been credited with bringing Liberty back from the brink of financial collapse while serving as its president from 2007 to 2020. However, Falwell's tenure at the school ended amid scandal and controversy in 2020. Falwell posted an image to social media of himself alongside a woman. Both of them had their pants unbuttoned and unzipped. The image was meant to be taken in jest, but many nevertheless found it troubling. After being placed on indefinite leave, Falwell and his wife Becky made a public statement that Becky had engaged in an extramarital affair and that their family was now being blackmailed. The next day, Reuters published a now-infamous article detailing the account of Giancarlo Granda, a former Miami Beach pool attendant who claimed the Falwells had engaged in a lurid relationship with him. Granda also claimed that Falwell had used his money and influence to control him and keep him quiet. When Falwell resigned from Liberty University, it was announced that the two parties had settled on a $10 million severance package because Falwell had not been formally accused of or admitted to wrongdoing. But since that time, Liberty and Falwell have volleyed lawsuits back and forth uh, against each other. In October of 2020, Falwell sued Liberty for allegedly damaging his reputation after the university launched an investigation into the school's previous financial entanglements with Falwell's personal real estate investments. While Falwell later dropped that suit, he revived it in November of 2021. Liberty University sued Falwell in April 2021 for allegedly breaching his contract while working for the university, as well as violating his fiduciary duty. In the suit, the school claims Falwell withheld information that would be damaging to the school's reputation during severance negotiations, including his alleged problems with alcohol and the details of Becky's relationship with Giancarlo Granda. That litigation is ongoing. 
Now Falwell is suing the school for not having paid the $8.5 million they had previously agreed to award him by this point in time in accordance with his severance agreement. Liberty University has apparently not paid out the sum in light of the ongoing litigation regarding what, if anything, Falwell is actually owed by the school. In a statement, Liberty said that it is confident that it is not legally required to pay these funds and will file the appropriate responses with federal court. Our next story involves Jenna Ellis, who at one time was a part of Donald Trump's legal team and is now a talk show host who has been a regular speaker at Christian events. On Wednesday of last week, Jenna Ellis was censored by the state of Colorado for what a Colorado judge called a pattern of misconduct. She admitted that statements that she made during the 2020 election were made with a selfish motive and a reckless state of mind. She also admitted that her conduct undermined the American public's confidence in the presidential election, violating her duty of candor to the public as she promoted election fraud claims in courtrooms, in state capitals, on Christian media, on Fox News, too, which is facing a $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit from Dominion Voting Systems. Now, she paid an administrative fee of $224. Some news outlets called this censure a slap on the wrist for actions some argue should lead to disbarment. As Ministry Watch reported last summer, Ellis has worked with about a dozen evangelical institutions over the years, including the James Dobson Family Institute, where she directed the ministry's public policy center. She's also a fellow at Colorado Christian University's Centennial Institute. I should add that uh, Jenna Ellis' legal troubles may not be over with this censure. She faces a possible criminal indictment in Georgia where a grand jury has investigated efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election results, and she was subpoenaed by the January 6th House Committee. Our next story highlights an important religious liberty case involving Arizona Christian University. For 11 years, dozens of education students at Arizona Christian University, which is a private school in Glendale, Arizona, have uh, been teaching Uh, in the student teaching program in the local school district there. But last month, the board of the Washington Elementary School District, which is the largest in the state, serving more than 25,000 students in 33 schools, unanimously voted to terminate its relationship with Arizona Christian University. The school district's five-member board said that the decision was based on the university's strong anti-LGBTQ stance. But in a lawsuit filed by the university on March 9th, Arizona Christian says the school district was motivated by anti-religious bias, charging that the district has violated the university's constitutional rights, as well as Arizona's Free Exercise of Religion Act. The suit names the district's board members as defendants as well as the district. 
According to the lawsuit, the district has hired at least 17 Arizona Christian education students over the last 11 years uh, that the program has been in operation. The suit claims that the district has never made a complaint before now that an Arizona about an Arizona Christian student or alumnus. Now, Alliance Defending Freedom is representing the university. ADF attorney Jake Reed said that these teachers are being punished because of their religious beliefs and not even their religious beliefs alone, but the position of the school from which they graduated. A local television station, ABC 15, reported Thursday that more than two dozen staffers had resigned from the Washington Elementary School District, but could not confirm why the staffers resigned. At the February meeting, board members cited the school's religious mission, including its desire to promote biblically informed values like traditional sexual morality and lifelong marriage between one man and one woman as a reason for cutting ties with the school. Warren, we need to take a break. When we return, the partner of a Ponzi scheme that targeted Christian investors and took in more than $80 million gets a slap on the wrist. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Next up, the story we promised before the break, it's the story of Brad Heinrichs, the partner in a Ponzi scheme that targeted Christians. Brad Heinrichs would quote scripture as he was trying to pitch investors, and he sold more than 100 of them, including his own parents, into an $82 million Ponzi scheme. He was sentenced to a decade of supervised probation and house arrest, and not the 69 years in prison that he could have received for the seven fraud counts. Why so light a sentence for someone who is the front person of a massive scheme? Well, Heinrich's attorney presented evidence that Heinrichs himself, who sold the fake investment since 2005, was in fact unaware that he was selling fraudulent securities, that he was involved in a fraud. And when he realized that it was a fraud in 2014, 
His attorney says that uh, he informed an investor and an accountant, and that helped bring down the complex uh, financial fraud. Stephen Hatch is alleged to be the mastermind behind the fraud. Uh, He was sentenced to to, uh, five years in prison back in 2017. And I should add that this story may not be over. Attorneys for the Hatch Heinrichs Victim Recovery Fund are trying to hold the scammers and others who benefited responsible and recover at least some of their lost investments. Warren, our next story is one that all donors and all ministry executives should pay attention to. Yeah, they sure should. Uh, The letter that... um, brought this story to our attention came from Our Daily Bread. Uh, It was uh, a letter that donors hope they never get. It was a notification that the organization had a recent data security incident that may have given a third party access to their contact and credit card information. Our Daily Bread is a well-known ministry to many evangelicals because of its popular devotional booklets. It's been around since 1938, and it's also something of a financial juggernaut. It raised $86 million in 2022, and that's up from $64 million just two years earlier. It announced the data breach in a letter to donors, and that letter apologized for any inconvenience caused. It did. Uh, The letter, though, went out in February, and the data breach took place over a six-week period back in November and December. Some donors have been complaining that it took the ministry too long uh, to notify them of that donor breach, or of that data breach, rather. Cybersecurity experts that we talked with for this story, though, said that there are a growing number of cyber attacks out there and that nonprofit organizations need to put security measures in place. Jake Lapp, ECFA's Vice President for Member Accountability, told Ministry Watch that technology and security around a ministry's data is extremely important and an increasing area of risk. Our Daily Bread, by the way, has more than 30 offices, 600 staff members, and about 1,000 volunteers. It offers biblical teaching through the devotionals that I just mentioned, but also films, podcasts, radio, books, mobile apps, social channels, websites, and even a weekly Day of Discovery television broadcast. Our next story is one that under normal circumstances might not get a second glance. The pastor of First Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, James Welch, resigned last week, but the circumstances aren't ordinary. They're certainly not. Uh, Welch's resignation followed reporting by Ministry Watch that the church's membership in the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability had been suspended. The ECFA is investigating whether FBC Fort Lauderdale has complied with Standard 4 of their seven standards, and that uh, standard relates specifically to the use of resources and compliance with the law. The suspension and investigation began in October 2022, but was not made public until Ministry Watch reported on it last week. And since then, uh, Welch, as we've already mentioned, has resigned. He took the helm of that church in 2019. The church has been dealing of, with all kinds of controversy during his tenure, uh, including canceling a popular Christmas pageant 
which uh, got a lot of members uh, upset, claims of a toxic work environment, and a lawsuit between congregants and church leadership. There's also a real estate dispute, uh, in part because uh, the church owns a lot of real estate in Fort Lauderdale, which, of course, now over the years has become a very um, uh, expensive real estate market. When Welch took over the church, it had about 1,100 members, but attendance has dwindled to only about 200. Uh, the church was founded in 1907, and as I mentioned, owns a large complex of buildings that takes up nearly a city block. And that's not the only high-profile pastor resigning this week. That's right. The lead teaching pastor at a, at a Fort Worth Baptist church has resigned after he was arrested last week on suspicion of driving while intoxicated with a child under the age of 15 years of age in the vehicle and for suspicion of unlawfully carrying a weapon. The Reverend Andrew Erickson of Travis Avenue Baptist Church in Texas was booked around 11.15 p.m. on March 3rd, according to the court records. He resigned from his job at the church shortly after his arrest, according to the Baptist News Global. Over the past 12 years and more recently, uh, he wrote in a le- resignation letter, it has become clear that there are things I need to work on personally, and I believe uh, caused me to take a season of rest from the responsibilities of ministry. Uh, again, that letter uh, came from uh, Andrew Erickson to the church as reported by Baptist News Global. Our next story involves a high-profile bishop that we've reported on before. We have. A federal prosecutors have charged Bishop Lamar Whitehead of Brooklyn with falsifying bank records to get approved for a mortgage for his million-dollar New Jersey mansion. You might remember, Natasha, that this is the same bishop who was robbed of a million dollars worth of jewelry while he was preaching to his congregation. That robbery was caught on video, and some pundits started calling Bishop Whitehead Bishop Bling. Federal prosecutors now say that to secure a loan for his $1.3 million home, Whitehead made it appear that an LLC he controlled had an average balance of more than $2 million when the account actually held less than $10. Government officials said he also applied for a $250,000 business loan for the LLC based on fraudulent information. That, according to the New York Post. Whitehead, who has ties to New York City Mayor Eric Adams, has been involved in several legal matters over the past year. And if he's convicted of all of the charges that he is facing, he could um, spend 65 years in prison. We're going to take another break when we return our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. 
Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Bishop Frank Tracy Griswold III, who led the Episcopal Church in the late 1990s and early 2000s, died on March 5th in Philadelphia. He was 85 years old. Griswold served as the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church as it saw uh, the consecration of its first openly gay bishop in 2003. It was a move that resulted in a precipitous departure from the Episcopal Church. Membership declined uh, rapidly following that move. In fact, when Griswold took the reins of the Episcopal Church in 1997, it claimed membership of more than 2 million people. Today, the Episcopal Church officially claims 1.5 million people, but average Sunday attendance, even by the church's own records, is less than a half million. Ministry Watch posted a story this week that said that daylight savings time wasn't good for giving. That's right. If the collection plate at your church seemed a little light last Sunday, maybe daylight savings time uh, was part of the reason. People who haven't had enough sleep, including those who have lost an hour due to the spring daylight savings time switchover, are both less kind and less generous, according to a study published in the scientific journal PLOS Biology. In fact, researchers from the University of California at Berkeley found that the switch to daylight savings time contributed to about a 10% decline in money donated to charities in the subsequent week. That following a report from Philanthropy Today. Who's in the ministry spotlight this week? We have Reframe Ministries. It's an old organization. It began in 1939 by the Christian Reformed Church Synod. It's a media mission that's probably best known for its Back to God Hour, which is broadcast out of Chicago, Illinois. It takes in about $10 million a year in revenue, but we give it a donor confidence score of only 63, which is not one of our best scores and means that you should give with caution. Who is in Christina Darnell's Ministries Making a Difference column? Well, she's got four or five, but I want to highlight a couple of them. One is Adult and Teen Challenge, formerly known as Teen Challenge. It's developing a new program specifically designed to help veterans and active duty personnel struggling with addiction and other life-controlling issues. And I also want to mention European Nazarene College. It's teaming up with Arabic Nazarene Bible College to create an Arabic learning center. The 2022 Nazarene Annual Statistical Report estimates that almost 8,000 Nazarenes worship weekly in Arabic. Warren, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, I wanted to our listeners to know that if they give to Ministry Watch during the month of March, they'll receive a copy of my book, Faith-Based Fraud, Learning from the Great Religious Scandals of Our Time. We've offered this book in the past, but it's been more than a year, and uh, when since then we've had literally tens of thousands of new people 
join our email list. So we wanted to give you, you newcomers an opportunity to uh, get a copy of the book. It's our thank you for a donation of any size to Ministry Watch this month. Just go to the Ministry Watch website and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Dale Chamberlain, Kim Roberts, Ann Stike, Steve Raby, Catherine Post, Christina Darnell, Rod Pitzer, Emily McFarlane Miller, and you, Warren. Special thanks to churchleaders.com for contributing materials for this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.